Wow. Holy cow, who was that? Man. <laughs> I have a fan, I know. <laughs> Speech, okay, I'll begin. Uh, welcome to our story. Uh, going through the book of Acts. This is my speech. <laughs> Thank you, Phil. <laughs> um, today, as, as we continue on in our story, I want to look back just really quick and, and reflect on where we are in our story. We started on the day of Pentecost. We started on, on the day where Jesus was, was taken up and and, and, and he tells his disciples to go wait, right? He said, go wait, and I'm going to empower you. And, and so in this time of waiting, in the season of waiting, Pastor Lane did such an amazing job of telling us, you know, don't, don't become uneasy because the people who represent you don't do it well. Remember that your, your first and only representative that matters is Jesus Christ. He is our high king forever. And, and, and in that, we can find security, we can find peace, and we don't have to become restless in our life because our world system is not playing out the way we see it playing out or, or the way we think it should, right? Um, we, we should take confidence in what Jesus is doing, and that is representing us because he lived 100% flesh and blood as we are, and that, why, that is why he is a great and faithful high priest as we moved on from that first week we talked about in the second week, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how Holy Spirit is able to take the Word of God and, and really the, the, the good news, the gospel of the good news and make it applicable to every person in every situation, no matter where they come from, the gospel of the peace and good news can be spoken and translated into every tongue, every language, every situation. And the Holy Spirit does such an amazing job at empowering us to be witnesses of Jesus. And then in week three, when Emmanuel Garraway came in and, and spoke, uh, I wasn't here, I was on vacation, um, but I got to watch online. And this was an amazing message of how God truly sees us. And how when God sees us and empowers us with the Holy Spirit, we can then see others. Just as Peter and John did when they walked into the temple and they found this lame man and they looked at him and they saw him. They didn't just see his brokenness and they said, silver and gold we do not have. I had a dime up here. I was going to hold it up as a great example. But um, silver and gold we do not have. But what we have, we give you. Get up and walk. And Jesus is building his church, and we're part of this story, and we're, and we're looking at our history, how the body of Christ began to grow from, from Jesus himself to expand into his disciples, and then all of them that were added, the 3,000 on the first day of, of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit spoke that message through Peter, 3,000 men believed. And then after the healing of this lame man, 5,000 men were added and the church is growing and we see this church the size somewhere of, of probably 8 to 10, maybe even close to 15,000 people that have believed on Jesus and are living their life according to the power that he has given them. And then, and then we come to last week's message. How many of you guys were here last week? Hands? Yeah? Yeah? A couple of people in the room? Okay. Yeah. Okay, more, more than half of the people in the room were here last week. And for those of you watching online, I hope you tuned in last week. It was a great message about Ananias and Sapphira. 
And I'm so glad, I'm so glad that we, we took this and we, we talked about it. Because the truth is, is that Jesus, he, he, he wanted his church to be holy. He wanted there to be a standard, and so he didn't allow corruption to come into his church in the way of deception. And, and in, the, in the story of Ananias and Sapphira, we see that the Holy Spirit moved and kept the church holy from its inception. Especially in the beginning, when it's so critical and crucial that it would be so. And so we pick up today on the heels of that. We're going to dive back in to the Word, and we're going to follow along in this story. But before we do that this morning, I'm, I'm simply going to pray. I'm going to pray that, that the Holy Spirit would speak through me, but I also want you, as, as the listeners, to be praying this morning. Whether you're here in the room or you're watching online, I want you to begin to engage your faith in hearing because there's something that is a principle of the Word of God that it is my responsibility to prepare to deliver this message and to do so in faith. But it is also your responsibility as the listeners to engage your faith and to listen and expect that God will say something to you that will apply to your life today. So would you pray with me this morning? Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity to come into this place. God, I submit myself to you today. God, I do not come with my own words of wisdom. Father, I believe that this morning as I stand on this platform, Father, you have given me a message to speak. God, you have not just given me something that's pretty, that we can tie a bow on and walk away from today feeling good about ourselves, but God, you have given us a challenge. A challenge to listen and to obey your word. Father, today I am stirred, and I believe it is by the Holy Spirit, to deliver your words of life to every person that is listening today. God, I pray that their hearts would be attentive, that their ears would be open, and that they would be able to receive the word that you are giving them. God, I, I speak against any distraction in the room or online, those people listening at home. God, I speak against anything that would try... And, and, and take your words and twist them or misinterpret. Father, I ask that your words would come out with clarity and boldness, just as the apostles prayed. Father, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Woo. All right. I, I, I'm telling you, I'm stirred this morning. I came in this morning and I was praying and, and, and God started moving on my heart. And, and it was, he did something on the inside of me this morning. And so I hope that he does something for you too. I'm believing that God is going to do something in your life this morning. Um, before we dive into our scriptures today, I want, I want to define a word for you because we're going to see it throughout the text today. We're going to see this, this, this Greek word that is hypokoe. Um, it's H-Y-P-O-A-K-O-E with a little thing over it. Um, and so um, with, with that, I may not have pronounced it correctly, but what this word means is obedience. And, and, and it means listening underneath. And, and the definition of this is literally submission to what is heard. Obedience as a response to someone speaking. This refers to an earthly voice and to the Lord's voice. Um, you can see references of this in 2 Corinthians 10.5, 1 Peter 1.2. 
and other places throughout the New Testament. So as, as, as we're speaking today, as we're listening to the story that is the birth of the church, I want you to have this idea of obedience in mind. Not, not to distract from what is happening so that we can rightly see what God is wanting to do through the message. So let's pick up right, right after where we left last week. And in fact, the last verse of last week was great fear seized the whole church and all who heard of these events. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet, in, meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more, men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought their sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats, so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them. As he passed by, the crowds gathered also from the towns surrounding Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Uh, this, this, this statement, all of them were healed. It, 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 it brings to light this idea that God was moving in such great power that not one person who came for healing left being broken. This is the gospel of the good news. You know, and, and, and as, as, as we come out of this time where, where everybody's like, oh my gosh, God did something amazing, kind of terrifying, um, but he united his church in this holiness, this set-apart standard. He, he then began to move in this power where all who came to him were healed. And, and in, in my mind, it throws me back to Luke chapter 4 and verse 17. In, in, in the English Standard Version, it says it this way. It says, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him meaning Jesus. He unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scrolls and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down in the eyes of the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And, 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 and Jesus did this thing where he stood up and he said, the anointing of God is on me. In fact, his, his name Messiah means the anointed one and his anointing. So as Jesus began to operate in power on this earth, he said, I have been sent to preach good news to the poor. But you don't have to be poor. And, 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 and we see this as all the believers came together, they shared everything, right? They begin to minister one to another as they had need. And so we see the body of Christ being able to minister to the poor. And they begin walking out what Jesus' plan was, was now the plan of the church. We became the body of Christ. We became what Jesus wanted to see on the earth. We begin to fulfill these words and look exactly like the body of Christ. 
But not only that, he said, I came to give sight to the blind. Not, and, and yes, this is physical sight. You know, They laid hands on all of the sick and the oppressed, and all of them were healed. As, as the apostles begin to do these things, we begin to see this power of God go into operation that no matter how broken you are, there is peace for you. And that word is, is no less true yesterday than it is today. When you walk into the church, you should be able to receive peace and walk out whole. The body of Christ was not meant to, to, to represent who Jesus is without experiencing the goodness of who he is in our lives. There's, there's a, a, a view in, in some circles in Christianity of cessationism. It basically means they believe that the gifts have passed away. That they were there for the apostles and they were there for the spreading of the gospel and the good news. And, and, and that's great, but they no longer apply to us because people are trying to explain away why we don't see them happen all the time. But we as a four-square church believe in continuationism. And this, this thought of continuationism, this belief, is that all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are available to all of us as believers. Hmm. In this, we see the body thriving. We see that God's Spirit is still moving and He's still speaking peace to the brokenhearted. He's still setting free those who are oppressed by evil spirits. He is still mending the broken bodies. Cancer is being defeated by the Spirit of God in the church today. Why? Because the gifts did not pass away. God said, I have given you my body. I was broken for you that you might receive peace. And I, I, I'm passionate about this because this, this idea that your life is not too broken for Jesus to fix is the message of the good news. And this is what they preached. People weren't getting healed because the apostles said, hey, we're going to go out and we're going to lay hands on the sick today and they will recover. Although that is truth. Their, their gospel of the good news is that Jesus came to fix brokenness in this world. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we get to heaven, there will not be brokenness. There will not be oppression. When we get to heaven, we will be at peace. And Jesus told his disciples to pray this way. This is the gospel of the good news. I have come to proclaim <laughs> liberty to the captives. Whatever you are being held in captivity to, whether it be mm, addiction, doesn't matter. Jesus can free you from addiction. There, I, I've, I've, I've got this fire on the inside of me because I see what is happening by the Holy Spirit in this passage. And what happens is all who are brought to them are healed. And it inspires me to say we should see healing happening in the church. But we find ourselves in this in-between where, where, where we believe for the healing. We pray for the healing. But what happens when it doesn't 
Mm. When we don't see it immediately the way we think we should see it is then people start to preach cessationism. Oh, well, it passed away. Let's, let's, mm, let's define it because maybe it didn't happen because God only used that in the beginning to spread his church. These kind of things, they, they, they get me worked up. They get me fired up because I believe that the Holy Spirit is here and his power is available to every person who steps in this building to receive something. And every person watching online, within the sound of my voice, you can receive peace to your brokenness, whether it be physical, emotional, mental, or physical. The gospel of the good news is that you have been set free. Whew. Okay, I got that out. So what happens next? All right, we, 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 we see, let's, let's look at what happens next. Right Then the high priest and all of his associates who were member, members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and they put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go and stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. They didn't even have breakfast. They went, right? And then continuing on, when the high priests and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel. And they sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and they reported, we found the jail securely locked with guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief of priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. I love this. They, they've been thrown in prison because of, of, of jealousy. And because, not, not just jealousy that, that, that miracles were happening, but the chief of priests, they were the ones who heard the word of the Lord. They were the ones who ministered the will of the Lord. And these men are going about teaching in this name of Jesus. And Jesus was in direct opposition, not direct opposition, he was in opposition to the religious system that the Pharisees upheld, the traditions Jesus said, I have not come to do away with the law, but I have come to fulfill the law. And, and these priests were saying, okay, you've come to set free the captives, but wait, why, why, why isn't Rome being kicked out? It doesn't look the way we think it should look, so therefore we do not recognize you as our Messiah. We're still looking for somebody else. And so out of jealousy, they throw them in prison and, and they say, hold on a second. These guys we threw in prison, we went, we, 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 we brought them in because we, we assembled all of the elders of Israel. We got them all up out of bed. We called a meeting of Congress and, and we called in the judicial system. Let's bring everybody in and let's have ourselves a good old court hearing. And let's discuss what these men are doing. And what happens is they get everybody together and now they're put to shame because the men they go to pick out of prison are no longer there. And they're, they're going, what's, um, whoops, 
what, what's going to happen now? We've got everybody together. Everybody's ready to have this, this, this court day and our prisoners are gone. What's going to happen next? <laughs> I, lo- I, I love, you know, and uh, the apostles have been praying for this boldness to go preach, right? You, you, you didn't hear it last week, but in chapter 4, if you follow along with us, we encourage you to do this. Don't just listen only to the messages that we speak, because we won't hit every verse in Acts as we go. But I encourage you to read along with us. Read, read the chapters that come before this, because you get a little context. The apostles have prayed for boldness, that we can go out and preach the gospel of good news with boldness. Give us boldness. And so immediately they get set free from jail and, and, and the angel of the Lord says, now go into hiding because they're going to put you on trial, right? No. No, he says, go back and do the very thing that got you arrested. Go preach all of the good news of this new life of freedom to these people. And so they, you know, they get arrested and, 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 then, and, and then the chief of priests is wondering what this is going to come to. Let's follow along with the story and continue reading. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest, the one who was jealous. He gave... We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, the name of Jesus, right? He said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teachings, and you are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors, and he's referring to everybody in the room, because these are men of Israel, right? Men of Israel, the God of our ancestors, raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgiveness of their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And, and to those, God has given his Holy Spirit to those who obey him. In, in his rebuttal or in their defense, Paul, or sorry, Peter, Paul hasn't come on scene yet. In fact, Paul's probably part, sitting in the Sadducees. Um, uh, but Peter and, and the apostles with him stand up and they say, obedience to God, not to man. And at the end of what he's saying, he said, God gives his Holy Spirit to those who obey him. And, 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 and what, what ends up happening, we'll read it here in just a moment, is they're so furious and they want to kill these men. Why? Because they're, they're preaching heresy according to the Jewish law. The Holy Spirit is only to be given to the priests. They said, hold on, we've got a corner on that market. The Holy Spirit is only to be given to those who are born in the right line, who come up through the right way of living, who do everything according to the rules. That's the only ones that the Holy Spirit can speak through. And who are these fishermen and these tax collectors saying that you have the Holy Spirit? That's blasphemy. 
But they stand and they say, the proof is in the pudding. God's doing the work, right? And this boldness that they prayed for in chapter 4, this boldness to go preach the gospel of the good news comes out in not only preaching to people that they're seeing healed, but they actually are preaching life to these men in the Sanhedrin. You may have missed it. But, but the chief priest says this. He says, you are teaching, that you filled Jerusalem with this teaching, and you're determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. We were all guilty of that blood. The problem is, is, is the priests are saying, you're wanting to put his blood on our hands when Peter is saying his blood should be on your heart. If you would receive what Jesus did, you would be set free from sin, but instead you are guilty of the sin because you rejected him and you crucified him. And rather than receiving what he's doing in your hearts, you hold him at a distance and his blood is now on your hands. He was bold about it. He said, you crucified him. So let's see how they respond to this, shall we? When they heard this, they were furious, and they wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all of the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin, and he ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thaddeus appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him, and he was killed. And all of his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. And after him, Judas the Galilean, sound familiar, appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all of his followers were scattered. Therefore, in this present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not, not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. I, unfortunately, have found myself in the past fighting against God. Being one of these people who, who, who looks around and, oh, I can't believe they're doing that. I can't believe these people are acting that way. Why would they do that? And I'm judging their sin because I think that I can judge it. I've been guilty of resisting what God wants to do, to set at liberty the oppressed, to bring healing to the brokenhearted. I found myself in the same place. So when I hear Gamaliel's speech, not, not only does it move their hearts, which we'll see here in just a moment, it moves mine. I've been that Pharisee. I've been that person who looked and, and tried to expose the brokenness that I see in the world around me rather than speak healing and life and peace to brokenness. But as he stands there and he, he looks at the men, he says, guess what? Rome has been doing our dirty work for years, okay? 
when these other guys came in, when Thaddeus came in, he, he tried to gather men to his cause. And guess what? Rome took care of it for us. We've become very wise in our own eyes. In fact, so much so that we've, we've allowed Rome to take care of all of the things that maybe we don't agree with. And so, with Judas, this Galilean, again, sounds very familiar, right? Judas the Galilean, well, Jesus came from Galilee, right? So, so they're thinking, maybe, maybe, just maybe, this will come to nothing. And if it gets out of hand, we're going to let Rome deal with it. So he looks at these men and he says, but if you continue to fight against these men, you might be in danger of resisting God. When I look at the scripture, I have to find not, not what convicts others. I have to find what convicts me of where I'm at. I've been in this place where I look around and I see brokenness and I try and be the judge, but that's not my place. In verse 40, we pick up, it says, his speech persuaded them. And they called the apostles in and they had them flogged. When they ordered that, and then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. And day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus was the Messiah. So we see as our story begins to wrap up today, we see this, this idea that they, they, they find joy in their suffering, right? Because may, maybe they didn't expect the religious leaders to, to, to flog them, to whip them. But then after it happened, they leave and they remember in, in Matthew 10, 17, where he said, you will be flogged because of my name. And they go out and they say, we are worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. The title of my message today is Miracles and Obedience. Why were they why were they resisted? They were resisted because of their obedience to the name of Jesus. And sometimes the world around us will resist us and call us all sorts of names because of Jesus, because of the standard of holiness that God has called us to. But sometimes resistance will come from the least expected places when we begin to love the world around us. Sometimes it's the religious culture that will come against us. When we wrap, around, wrap our arms around the brokenhearted, when we invite those into our house that are addicted and their brokenness is so upfront, it's so obvious, and the religious look at us and they go, wait, 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 why are you hanging out with all of those people? Have you ever heard that term before, those people? Guess what? Jesus died for all people, myself included. And so when I wrap my arms around the broken, I say, I am with his people. No matter if they're struggling with gender identity or drug abuse, when I wrap my arms around people who are broken and believe, to believe for them to receive peace in their life, I am with his people. 
And this is the truth that I want us all to reflect on. We are all broken people, but we are all called by the Holy Spirit to be obedient to his word. What, is, what does obedience mean? In simple terms, it means hearing the word of God and acting on it. It implies aligning our will with God's will and doing what God has asked us to do. It is when we completely surrender to his authority and base our decisions and our actions on his word. In fact, we sang a song that talked about it this morning. I lift my hands up, lay my whole life down, my whole life down before you. It was not an accident that Ashley was moved to speak into those words, to speak life from those words to every person who is in this room and watching online. It is not an accident that the Holy Spirit aligns this and says obedience is laying down your whole life. Why? Not because he, he just wants to heal you, but because he wants to heal a broken and dying world that you are living in. And you are the answer to what God wants to do in this world. And when you lay your whole life down, when you lift your hands up and lay your whole life down and say yes to the call of Jesus, you say yes to obedience. And out of obedience, what happens? The broken are healed. Physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally healed. So this morning, I'm going to give us an opportunity. My challenge to you today, in the room, watching online, my challenge to you today, as we take a moment of silence to reflect, is this. Take out your communion elements. Believe that God wants to heal those around you. Why? Because his body was broken for us. In fact, in Peter, he reiterated what is said in Isaiah, and it says, by his stripes, you were healed. Meaning that Jesus finished the work on the cross. But before he went to the cross, he was whipped, and he was beaten, and he was broken. Why? So that we could be made whole. But there was a reason Jesus started with the bread and then went to the blood. Because your brokenness being healed does nothing for your eternity. That's a temporary solution to, to a temporary problem. These bodies eventually will die and we will go to be with the Lord. But who we are at our very core is a spirit man. And that's why he gave them the blood. He said, this is my new covenant. From old to new is that the remission of sins would be available because of my blood. So today I want you, as we take these three minutes of silence, I want you to take your communion elements to reflect on what they mean to you and what they could mean to the world around you. And then to say yes to Jesus. Not just for yourself, but for your neighbors and for your family and for your friends who are broken. Can you say yes to Jesus and share that with them? That's my challenge to you today. Let's reflect.